Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Today is March 20th, 2022, and it is right after Purim, and everyone's settling in now and getting ready for Pesach. And I have told you that I got some mail, and I've been getting some good mail and bad mail, and I've got to read this because people are telling me they're waiting for it, and I keep pushing it off. So here's one letter I've read, I got recently, and I've got to read it. It says, Natalie, why do people make Aliyah, or why do people wait? There are a billion reasons. The same reasons people stay in crummy relationships and go into debt, paying for a Torah education and put up with a crummy boss and company because they just aren't go-getters. They don't feel strong. They're already stressed out in a place they're familiar with and have a job and don't know if they are ever going to have enough money. It's all about fear. And he goes on and says, and as you know, we all know that fear, some people say the hell with, and some just live their life of quiet desperation. And then he tells me he has these different problems and um, ends by saying, anyway, most people don't want to rock their boat. The devil we know is better than the devil we don't. It's not an intellectual thing. And this is, uh, he said, I could say his name, Baruch Barry. Thank you for your letter, Baruch. And this guy's actually coming to Israel and has a son here and um, is, I think, 59 years old. And he wrote something very interesting that I, I do want to say. Um, do I have time? He said, how much do I cost Israel if and when I need care? And, uh, you know, he, he seems to care how much he's going to cost Israel. And that's a beautiful thought, but Israel is not the poor third world country it once was. Um, and you come and do the best you can for as long as you can, join society as a giver, and then when you need to retire, Israel will help you. And I don't think waiting and looking at it that way, like I just want to be a giver is so smart. Just come if, if you can and if you're willing to do what you can. Stick around. We'll be right back. We have a great guest for you today. We'll be right back. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. I got some more mail that I've been asked to read, which was pretty um, angry. 
And this was one of these shows where I was just talking and going on and on about why I don't understand what is keeping people in their home country, why they just aren't here already. And I was just going on and on because I do get frustrated. I do. And an angry uh, listener wrote in and told me that she is a, um, a, a, a daughter of, of Holocaust survivors. And please ask Natalie whether she means truly that anybody will happen to not be there yet and they're close to retirement age. And if that means they should just forget the process and stay where they are. Because her comments sounded very similar to the Israeli government, who only favors people who are able to be in mid-young age, and it is against, uh, it is called ageism. Now, interesting that she says that, because the man who wrote a very positive letter was concerned that he would not be able to be a contributor to the state of Israel. And as you all just heard me say, you really don't need to worry about that. Israel's not in the same place it was in the 50s, where... It was considered a poor country. I'm not saying that you should come here with your hand out. I don't think you should go anywhere with your hand out. Um, that's just no good for anybody to be a burden. Okay, it's not. But if you have family here, and if you um, can, you know, be with your family here and not be completely dependent on strangers, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're an old woman or you know past working age come and, and be a grandma here you know be with your be with your kids totally fun retire here fine um then she continues we do not feel it is right for natalie to judge and i would like to let her know and i want to make sure she expresses herself on her next show that it is possible that those who are not retirement age yet but near retirement age may have more to offer israel when they come over than she can ever have in her entire life Okay. Okay. Fine. Great. I'm not saying I'm Miss Professional Success at all. Who is she to determine what I should and should not do? <laughs> Who is she to make this comment when she doesn't know anything about how hard it is to get to Israel and what it is to be a Holocaust survivor? Well, it is hard for sure, and I was not um, putting down the difficulties of being a Holocaust survivor at all. I wasn't talking about being a Holocaust survivor. Um, I would like Natalie to reject her comment and to explain that regardless of any age, all Jews are welcome in the land of Israel and all the help they need to come whenever they can come. Um, then she wants me to interview Holocaust survivors and their fam families. Okay, this is not a Holocaust survivor show and I did not mean to upset anyone with... A Holocaust survivor parent all I was saying um, and I will s say it again that you know if you can come please do come and if there are obstacles to overcome do your best to overcome them now some people have real hardships they can't walk they have no money you know they have no family and all kinds of things keeping them where they are and I get it you know like there are lots of reasons but there are other people who just kind of think themselves into it and they really could come. They just choose not to. And then while they choose not to, they always say, oh, I wish I could come. There are people who really can come. They, they have the means. They have the, the youth. Um, uh, so, you know, I wasn't really 
speaking to you. But you know what? There are people out there who are going to hate what I say and people are going to love what I say. And that's great. You know, come on the air and, and battle it out here. I'm totally fine with that. All right. The, she goes on and on talking about how upset I made her. And you get the idea. I, I'm just a horrible person. Okay. We have a great guest today. His name is Ruven Mordechai Marins. He moved to Israel from Massachusetts at the age of 33, single, not a Jewish religious Jew, not a religious Jew, raised reform, um, and he made Aliyah in 2010. I think first he lived in the north, Svat, Haifa, ended up in Yerushalayim, met his wife here, married, and today has four children. Welcome to the show, Ruvain. Thank you, Natalie. It's nice to be here. And he's, yay, here you are. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, you have a great story for us about your Aliyah, and why don't you take us back to a little bit before 2010, when you're 33 years old and you decided to move here. What would a Reformed Jew from Springfield, Massachusetts, ever want to do coming to Israel? How does something like that happen? Well, I I think first off, you know, I wasn't just sitting there in the Springfield Amistad area for 33 years not doing anything. I, I, I was on a, a kind of a quest for much of my life. Um, so I was in Boston uh, from college. I went to Brandeis. I was out there for another eight years or so. Um, and during that time, I wound up getting into promotion for, for music. So like putting on concerts, club nights, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, that was actually kind of a spiritual quest, even though um, it wasn't necessarily a conscious spiritual quest, but eventually, um, hopefully, when people are on that kind of drive, uh, it's quite common people do ultimately come to the underlying spirituality. Uh, and for me, you know, it's the same old story. Wait, know, wait, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down, mm-hmm. slow down, slow down. Okay, I don't get it. I don't understand. When you mm-hmm. say, like, you were a music promoter, mm-hmm. like a concert promoter? Yeah. <coughs> Yes. Okay. So, how does that, how does that uh, relate to being becoming spiritual? Explain that, because I always uh, thought people like that were like, you know, going to clubs, staying up late, wearing a lot of makeup, drinking a lot, and how does that, you know, <laughs> am well, I wrong? I, um, I, I mean, I think. That that might be a little general, but I think if you look at the, the typical Jewish experience for people that are coming from, you know, not just the reform background, but, you know, all different Jewish backgrounds, you come up, you go to college, you party in college. And uh, as a Jew, there's there's going to be that underlying spirituality. Um, so I think a lot of the times people will associate it with music, maybe going to concerts, maybe going to parties, you know, that that it's there. And you see a lot of people that come to Israel. Uh, they, they go into yeshivas or seminaries, um, and they kind of channel that same energy into becoming religious. Um, I, I didn't come to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a good thing because I think that, um, you know, one, one risk of that approach is somebody comes to, to Israel out of college and then they have their yeshiva experience and then maybe they go back to life and hopefully they keep it uh so for me i kind of i i feel like i 
did everything that I needed to do to kind of have my secular life experience. And where I was left with was really just trying to, to tackle the spirituality. Um, I didn't really have so many distractions. And uh, I, I tried some Eastern paths. Again, you know, very common with, with people You're coming. saying, you, mm-hmm. yeah, Ru- Ruben, you keep saying mm-hmm. the spirituality, spirituality. Like, I, don't, I barely know what that means, but I, I think mm-hmm. it means you're searching for meaning. Is that what you were doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I would say, you know, ruchnius might be a good Hebrew, Hebrew term for it. Um, but yeah, exactly. You know, um, I, I was always searching for meaning. Um, and I was kind of thinking, you know, you come in, you growing up reform. Um, it's not the people that you're learning about Judaism from are not really taking it so seriously, maybe don't believe it in it, believe in it themselves. Um, so I was looking around for, you know, where, where is it? Um, but I kind of always knew that it was right mm. there under the surface. And eventually, uh, you know, after doing some, some experiments with some Eastern, you know, more like Buddhist spiritual paths, realizing that that was just a complete lie. Um, when I took another look at Judaism, I said, wait a second, you know, I know this, this is familiar to me. This is completely legit. Um, and, you know, that was about 2006 mm-hmm. when, when I started looking at it again, uh, 2007. Okay. Started wait, taking it more seriously. Slow, slow down, slow down. Because, yeah, like what, I mean, you're, you're a single guy with a career. Um, what do you do? Like at night, you start opening books, you start going to the library. I mean, what do you mean you just start? exploring and start looking into it more what, what does that really mean okay so first of all w- before I, i'm from the springfield Ma- uh, springfield amherst area of massachusetts it's it's about two-thirds of the way west across the state but uh, i was in boston for for most of this time and i was living in a place called brookline massachusetts a very jewish place uh, you have jewish bookstores everywhere you have religious Jews everywhere, lots of kosher food. So it was, it, it was around me in terms of just kind of the Jewish atmosphere. Um, and as soon as I kind of slowed down my life, I, I was just perceptive to it. Uh, the, the, the first place that I went to, inter- interestingly enough, um, and it's, it requires a lot of explanation. I don't, I don't know how much time we have to get into it, but... Uh, the first place I went to actually was the Kabbalah Center, which is no longer the one that was in Brookline. I, I think it's it's long gone. Um, but that that was kind of an interesting place because um, even though whatever it's it's divergent, um, I would say it's really no more divergent than sort of the non-Orthodox varieties of, of Judaism. But they did look at it in a different way in terms All of. Right. Ruben, mm-hmm. we're good. We're gonna stop you here. We gotta stop you. We're gonna be Thank right you. back after these messages. Stay okay, with us. Stay sure. with us. Okay. You got it.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. We're continuing our talk with Ruven Mordechai Marins, who made Aliyah at the age of 33 in 2010 from Massachusetts. And he was just telling us that he um, went to Brandeis for college and stayed in the area for eight years, experimenting with different religions. Uh, and that's, I think, where we left. Right, Ruven? Sure. And I, I think if you're really going to be accurate as far as saying different religions, um, I did a little bit of kind of dabbling into some of the Eastern paths. But I think just if you if you talk about the different secular mindsets, that'd probably be a little bit more accurate. Um, but sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, w- okay. I was out there exploring. And basically, um, I don't want to I'm not here to put in a good word for the Kabbalah Center, because I do think that there's um there's some contradictions there, but but what's interesting is that uh, they looked at mitzvot as a metaphysical metaphysical connection, you know, as opposed to just wrote things that we do out of out of tradition. So that kind of sparked something out uh, in me, and and part of that also is just sort of the the word Kabbalah, you know, just hearing about this kind of a different take on Judaism, kind kind of got me a little bit more interested, and and to make a long story short. Um, I wound up back in the Springfield Amherst area. Uh, just uh, I kind of had enough of, of the nightlife industry. I had a good job back in Western Mass, and I started going to Chabad. Um, and that really kind of opened up a new chapter for me. I don't know if you have any questions about that, Natalie, but I can continue. No, Chabad. no, no. Chabad, uh, they're amazing. Just go on, go on. Sure. So, yeah, Chabad is actually was the opposite of the Kabbalah Center because the Kabbalah Center, um, it's got its pros and cons, but it's a little bit money driven. Um, so you're, you're always trying to go to them to get more information and they want money from you. Okay, Chabad well, was, either, was okay, completely but neither of the these, opposite. Wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, neither of these... Um, Neither of these got you to Israel, right? I mean, like, what happened to get you? I, I guess it's along this path. Well, it's it's part yeah. it's part of this it's part of the same path, Natalie. Because, um, in terms of right. being able to, uh, okay, it's the commandments of Judaism, the mitzvot, that um, have really driven me to to actually practice the mitzvot. That's really been my underlying drive, um, and. Uh, in terms of the Kabbalah Center, you know, it, it would probably be consi- similar to conservative Judaism. People that that are not familiar with it, 
in terms of trying to, to practice mitzvot and not quite having accurate information. Then going to Chabad, I was able to really practice mitzvot, um, have all the assistance I needed in terms of doing so. And then, uh, as you know, I, I mentioned to you when we spoke a little bit before the show, uh, in 2008, when I was, I was going to Chabad, I was starting to become Shomer Shabbat, starting to become Shomer Kashrut, uh, I went to a Rav Cook class, which kind of randomly happened. Um, and they they said in that class, I, I'm not saying this is exactly what Rob Cook said. This is just what I heard. Uh, and that is that basically in terms of bringing the Mashiach, bringing in the Messianic age, the redemption, it's all about Jews just coming to Israel. That's it. Yeshua Eretz Israel. Jews come to Israel. Everybody comes here. Everything will take care of itself. Uh, okay, people are not religious en masse. People have not started a tshuva process. Everybody comes to Israel. It will naturally happen. It will naturally take care of itself. And that is the answer. That's what I heard. I'm not saying those are the words of Rob, Rob Cook, but that's what I heard. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really what kind of initially initiated me emotionally into making Aliyah. Mm -hmm. And then on a practical well, I love level, hearing that. I love it. I have a huge smile on my face. <laughs> so... Well, and Go also ahead. I will say that that this Rob Cook class was put on by by a couple of guys who, interestingly enough, um, unfortunately have not made Aliyah, but really wanted to. Um, and they were really they were so into this idea that I, that, that I just explained to you. So what happened with me uh, and my my journey, um, I had a question about making Aliyah. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I sent an email to the Jewish agency saying, you know, hey, if I wanted to make Aliyah, can I do X, Y, and Z? And they wrote back to me, oh, we're, we're glad to hear that you want to make Aliyah. And I was like, well, I didn't say that, but you know what? Now that you mentioned it. Um, and really, that, that kind of brought things right. up a, le a level. Right. And I was... And I was thinking, do I want to join the IDF? You know, I wasn't really exactly sure where I was going with the whole thing. But one thing that was coming up as I was becoming more religious was going to yeshiva. Um, because a lot of people were saying, well, if you, you know, if you really want to become, you know, a, a Torah Jew, you got to be in a yeshiva environment and just be around people that are trying to do the same thing. And that, that's completely right. The problem for me is that yeah. I had no idea where to go for that. You know, what what yeshivas are there? And looking into it, most of them were in Israel. And, there, and, and, and I'm sitting here thinking there's no way that I'm going to be able to figure out from my computer in Massachusetts what yeshiva I want to go to. I want to make Aliyah anyway. I'm going to make Aliyah. And then while I'm in Israel, I'm going to choose the yeshiva. And to me, that was just completely logical. But as I've brought this up to different people over the years, um, they have not thought that that was necessarily a logical approach. Uh, but there, but I mean, it was to me that it was just clear as day. That's what I should do. Um, and I got, unfortunately, there was there was a lot of pushback from Rebbeim and, and and people, you know, who who, who questioned that approach, but. Um, you know, I had, you know, you know, what my life was like before that, you know, you know, even in college, d different things that I was involved in, I'm really kind of a 
take the bull by the horns kind of guy. And I, and having that idea, I, I really felt like I could follow through with it. So that's what I did. No. And there's some, what did you do? And there's some, Oh, so, that's what you did. Okay. Right. Right. Good. But there's some other interesting things though, that came up in the background that I think your listeners will like to hear about. Um, and that really has to do with the pushback against making all the, okay. Because all of those things, Natalie, you shouldn't get too bothered by people that might slander the process because if somebody really wants to do it, all of those negative arguments actually wind up strengthening it. So, uh, for example, just some of the religious arguments against making Aliyah, which don't really exist. But one thing that, that I heard was, you know, there was this fear that if I went there, you know, I was on some sort of a religious path, I would go to Israel and get kind of thrown off of that religious path, get sucked into, uh, you know, Tel Aviv, secular culture, something like this. That was completely absurd to me because I was in a completely non-Jewish environment <laughs> in, in Western Massachusetts. No, none of my friends, not a lot of them weren't Jewish. None of them were trying to get religious. Everyone was really trying to get me away from that. There were no kosher restaurants, nothing, you know, uh, no real single scene. There was mm -hmm. nothing there for me. So I could, I knew that if I went to Israel, I could find all that stuff. I could have kosher restaurants. I could have Jewish girls, like, you know, not, not in a bad way, but at some dating options, maybe some girls that are trying to get religious, you know, just, right, right. just different, different things, you right, know, normal right, right. life. So I was like, you know, you guys are crazy to, to, to be saying this to me. Um, and I, I, they were, they were wrong. And I was right. Cause I came to Israel. I had a lot of bad influences in America. And when I came to Israel, I could just choose who I wanted to be friends with. There are plenty of people on the exact same journey that I was on. Um, I found a, a great yeshiva. I wound up going to Chappelle's Darke Noam. Um, and, uh, I, I, I also was told by the, these guys that were putting on the Rav Cook class who were not able to make Aliyah, they were saying, you really want to make Aliyah when you're single. That's the best time to do it. And that's what a lot of other people said to me as well. Um, one thing, though, before I continue on, it just in terms of the pushback against making Aliyah, something else was amazing that was happening at that time. Uh, and that this was in 2010. You had, do you remember the Turkish uh, flotilla? Yes. That, that happened? Yes, sure. Right. That was, that, was, that was kind of the darkest hour in terms of when you, there's this uh, world of slander that's always trying, you know, they're always trying to get Israel on one topic or another. Um, and that was, I felt like that was kind of the worst thing because it was totally staged. Uh, for those of you that, are listening and aren't familiar with what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a, a the Turkish government sent in basically a a, a terror some terror a ship with terrorists trying to come into Israel. Israel went tried to sink the ship. It was kind of an ugly army incident, and of course the media completely yeah. backed the the terrorists and. Um, you know, the yeah. U.S. president at that time. It is and, really bad. Yeah. Right. Everybody was piling the BBC. All, everyone was piling up against Israel, which is part of a wider theme. And the whole time this is happening, yeah. I couldn't make Aliyah fast enough. I remember this was like three months before I made <laughs> right. Aliyah. And I, right. I said, 
I can't oh, get out there. Man. You know, I, I need to, I need to <laughs> be in Israel. I need to fight back against this. The only way right. that I'm going to counteract this is for me to go and be, become a part of Israel and beat all these people, right. you know? So, so yeah, all, all these different things that come up. And if you look at the Alia numbers around that time, 2009, 2010, there are a lot of people that were making Alia at that time. So nice. probably was a relationship. Nice. Stay with us. We, we have to take a break. We have to take a break, Ruben. We'll be back. Stay with us. Okay. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Pinsky. We're continuing our talk with Ruven Mordechai Marantz, who made Aliyah at the age of 33 from Massachusetts. And um, is good. We're, we're talking now about the pushback he got when he came here and the, and the uh, different excuses people gave him for not coming. Interesting. He talked about the uh, fact that he would become secular and the fact that there was a flotilla incident and the world was, you know, against Israel at the time, right? And um, during the break, I asked him, I asked Ruvain, why? Why were these people so difficult and so against your moving to, moving to Israel? So, uh, you know, as, as I yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah, go. So, so yeah. Unfortunately, I, you know, I love the the Froom Jewish community, but there's a reason why the, it, it's taken centuries of excuses to kind of have people not make aliyah. So, I think there's a little bit of a rhetoric that's built up that might have been true at certain points in time, but it's just not true now. And I think people come up will bring that rhetoric over to you as just sort of an automatic and they're mm. not used to pushback. So for mm. example, um, you know, a lot of people would say, Oh, it's, it's tough to make a living over there. Um, and I will say that, especially now, I don't think that was necessarily so true in 2010, but now the world is online. You make the, the same living wherever you are. I mean, more or less depending on what you're doing, but you know, that's, that's something people brought up. Um, the religious argument is one that does kind of bother me uh, because I do think that if it's true, what people are saying at one point in time, Jewish communities were kind of clustered together. And maybe if somebody was in a Jewish community, they had people looking out for them, maybe keeping them on the derech, and, you know, they were sheltered in. And it seems like some rabbeim, you know, especially older rabbeim have the impression that that still exists. But it doesn't, you know, uh, the, the Jews are completely assimilated now. So 
even if somebody is, is uh, does have the tendency maybe to pull away, better that they're in Israel. You know, they're they're here. They're they're within the Jewish community. So, um, you know, and my those were the things I was thinking when when people brought it up to me. And it, and being here for eleven years, I see that it's like it's becoming more and more not true. You know what what they're saying. Um, Hmm. So I mean, does it, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's hard to to imagine because I've been here a long time also. But I, it, it just sounds so painful to hear, uh, almost like a wave pushing you under. Like you're trying to get out of that wave. You're trying to reach fresh air, and everyone around you is like pushing you under the wave. And you're like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to be under this wave. <laughs> Um, well, and you did I, it. Mm-hmm. I, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say it was. It was like that. I think that it, that's more of the situation, maybe for uh, you know American Jewry as a whole. I mean, for me, there's there's a ton of people that were very behind me making Aliyah, and a lot of these. Uh, I think uh, anyone, okay. whether it's somebody that that is taking the old school Jewish mindset, or even somebody that's that's not jewish and maybe even anti-israel if you show somebody that you believe in it this is what you want to do you believe in it, it no everybody you know one way or another they 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 respect you on one level and and the truth is the the religious jews they did at the end of the day you know they might have some objections but they were happy that i was going to go ahead and make aliyah Yofi, Yofi. All right. So you you did it, and you came here, and then you found a yeshiva, and it seems like you found yourself a wife as well. Yes. So uh, I I think that I mean nice. I, right yeah th- thank God I mean my my wife actually turns out she made Aliyah a month after I did it just it just so happens um, you know it it was hashkacha it was a very good shidduch I mean it. Um, so lots of tefillah that went into it. And it was something, I mean, I, I, I was not going to get married until I came to Israel first. I mean, I think that that's um, just kind of my life path, you know, get to, to meet my wife here. Uh, so, but, but everything really ha- has fallen into place. I mean, and it doesn't mean that it's easy and it doesn't mean that it doesn't take a lot of tenacity, but that's how it is anywhere. You know, if somebody... Uh, if I'd chosen to live, God forbid, you know, chosen to move to San Francisco, I wouldn't have known anyone out there, but I could have made my way, I'm sure. You know, wherever you have to move to, uh, there, there's going to be a little bit right. of a struggle that's a part of it. And I think there's just a mythology right. out there, unfortunately, where, you know, somehow Israel is like a tougher place to do that. It really isn't. And, and I was able to uh, find work out here. Um, I did have a little bit of a sales background, so I realize not everyone has that, but but I just looked at the job listings, uh, was able to find lots of different job listings through Nefesh Nefesh. I saw that there was a lot of work in sales, just job after job, opportunity to work in sales. So I said, okay, this looks like a pretty good field. I decided to commit to that field and learn the skills that were necessary. And there were, there were plenty of jobs where it didn't work out, but um, eventually it started to stick and, you know, it's been, 
it, it's turned out to be great, you know, uh, but, but I think somebody could do that with oh, a different that. field. That's, you're right. You're absolutely right. I want to ask you about your Hebrew. That's also um, an excuse mm -hmm. people give. Like, I don't have Hebrew. I, I can't pick up another language. I'll, I, I just can't make my way. How about that? What do you have to say about that? Well, I would say <laughs> that I, look, I was extremely passionate about making Aliyah. I didn't prepare for it very much. Uh, I didn't learn Hebrew before I came. I went to Kita Aleph, Ulpan, knowing pretty much nothing. And I had to go out and, and make my life just after that first Ulpan course. So I never really spent so much time learning Hebrew. I've, I've picked it up to an extent, but um, it's not, it, I mean, everyone out here speaks perfect English. I think, I'm sure that's probably annoying to a lot of people that want people to learn Hebrew. Um, and a lot of people do want you to learn Hebrew, but um, it's not a reason not to make Aliyah. Okay, so you're all you all heard okay. that. All our listeners, please, um, <laughs> yeah, listen to that because we've had people come on the show say the exact opposite, almost the exact opposite of everything you're saying. We've had people come on the show saying, "Prepare, prepare, prepare," and you're saying you kind of jumped on a plane and um, very little planning involved. Found your life once you landed. Well, Right. Yeah. But I will say yes, but it is. But but let's be fair here. Um, I was I mean, I was 33. I, I had a lot of life experience and and I knew myself to be able to go and do that. Uh, so I think right. there does have to be an acceptance of responsibility. So if somebody wants to say, well, you know what, I'm not going to accept responsibility. Um, I like not res accepting responsibility, then it's tough to come and make Aliyah because eventually you're going to be responsible for putting your own food on your table um, and, and making your own life happen. Uh, so that, that yeah. isn't for everybody. Uh, but if you're, if you can do that, <laughs> then you can do it. Yeah. You can do it here and you can do it anywhere. Ex exactly. And that. there's, there's people, there's, there's people yeah. that do try to move to San Francisco or, or wherever they move to, and they moved back with their parents because, you know, they just they weren't ready for it. You know, they weren't ready to be out there in the world. But if you're ready to be out there in the world and, you know, you're a fully grown person and you're going to make your own living, you can choose Israel. It's, <laughs> it, it's ready made. I love it. I love it. It is. It really is a modern society today and you can do it at really any age. Um, it's all a mindset, just like everything is a mindset. There are people who you know, um, you know, one kind of job is suitable to them and another kind isn't. Uh, one kind of neighborhood is good for them and another kind isn't. You know, one kind of man is good for this woman and another kind isn't. There, there's a lot of options here today. So it's not like, you know, a one-size-fits-all Israel like it used to be. We're not all living in Jerusalem in an apartment. You know, I live in a house in the hills out here in Har Hebron. Um, you know, Ruvain, you probably have a very different life than me. You live in the city. You, you could live really all kinds of ways here today. And it's, it's, uh, once you're here, you can find those ways. And, um, Ruvain has very healthy outlook. I like his outlook. It's the same kind of outlook I had. You know, people are different. Some people are planners. That's okay too. But, you know, if you no, just it's... want to plan, you, you'll never be ready. It, yeah, it, it, it's true. It's true. 
um and, and yeah it's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah can you hear me okay okay so so yeah uh, yeah absolutely yeah. A- absolutely and and look people it's good it's always good to be thorough in life so i'm not going to tell anyone not to be very thorough it's good uh but then again there's there's a fine line between being thorough and procrastinating and sometimes you just got to jump in the water <laughs> yeah you're right we have 30 seconds Give us uh, some quick advice for everyone listening, if you don't mind. Sure. I will say, look, it's a financial gain to move to Israel. Jewish school and chutzah arts is outrageously expensive. You can come here, you can put your kids in a top school for literally nothing. They're going to speak Hebrew. They're going to learn Jewish stuff. They're going to they're, they're gonna have everything that they want. Uh, and you don't have to spend $30,000, $40,000 a year. So financially, it's great, and you can work online. You can do your job online um, in 2022. We're out of time. Okay. We're out of time. We're out of time. Thank you, Ruvain. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, my pleasure. Thank you. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dots, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dots from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.